From Chicago, welcome to Three Degrees Discussions. I'm your host, Mike Vasquez. This is a podcast devoted to the stories behind the innovators, entrepreneurs, and leaders in the 3D printing industry. It was just me here. So when I was going on booth, it was just me. And when I was looking at the other booth, well, well, it was mostly male, and uh, the attendees were mostly male, and um, and people on stage were mostly male. So I wouldn't recognize myself in any of those. And and I saw so a lot of engineers, and I was like, I'm not an engineer. So you know, I started um, looking and taking points of everything that was putting me aside, uh, being young, because I have to say, like especially at the time where it's mostly uh, older people uh, than me that were not 25 who were going to those shows, who all knew each other. I have to say from someone who is new to the industry, it can feel a little bit intimidating. I know now that it's actually welcoming and that we're all friendly and a big family who loves each other, <laughs> right? That was Nora Toure. Nora is currently the Director of Sales and Service Factory Operations at Fast Radius. She's also the founder of Women in 3D Printing, which is one of the largest additive manufacturing communities in the world. She joins the show today to talk about her career journey from law school to the world of manufacturing and 3D printing, and we also discuss the importance of bringing diverse perspectives, expertise, and opinions into the AM sector. Welcome to the show, and as we start, could we just uh, get a little bit of background on kind of where your career in additive started? Yeah, of course. Um, well, first, thank you for having me on the show. I'm going to start there. I'm really excited. And uh, so, yeah, again, thank you for, for the opportunity here. Um, so my career in additive manufacturing started uh, in 2010, so 10 years ago, uh, back in, uh, in Paris, France. Um, and so I started with uh, Sculpteo. Um, Sculpteo is one of the leading uh, service bureaus for additive manufacturing service bureaus out there. And so I joined as an intern. Um, so there was a, I was a sales sales account manager uh, and was really hired to well really to to start and grow the business. Um, so the company had already been around for I think almost a year, um, but I didn't really had a a strong sales uh, sales force. Um, and so I joined to uh, to really kickstart this. Uh, so based from France, and at the time it was mostly for the French market, and then we of course grew out of the European market, and before we knew it, to the US market. Um, but yeah, again, really started as an intern, and then moved on and grew with the startup. And was there any particular interest in 3D printing that you had that drew you to Sculptio, or what? Not what at all. I had no idea what 3D printing was. Uh, I was freshly graduated. I, not even like as as I started as an intern, I was not yet gradu- graduating. Uh, well, I was that was actually the year I was graduating. Um, and so my background is in uh, law. I wanted to be a criminal lawyer. So I studied for that. I have a bachelor degree in law. And, uh, and then I have a master degree in uh, international business management. So I was actually in my, uh, in my last years of uh, getting my, uh, my master degree done. Uh, so I graduated actually while I was at Sculpteo. Um, I know I had no idea what 3D printing was. I never even heard about it. So when I was looking for an internship, I had had choices between a few. I think one was uh, in pharmaceutical, another one in, I don't remember what, uh, and Sculpteo. And Sculpteo was, uh, was the only startup out of the, those three opportunities. And uh, so I remember having discussions with my family because I was like, you know, you know how it is like the, the last year's internship is usually the one that will, you know, get you propelled in your career. 
uh, especially in, at least in France, that's how it works. Uh, and so you have to be really careful and cautious about which, which one you, you're picking. And so I was very tempted to go with uh, some of the bigger names because um, it would be nice on my resume, you know, fresh out of school, like people are looking at your experience and uh, yeah, like the bigger name, you know, the better, right? And so this obscure startup in tech doing like, what, 3D printing? What is this thing? <laughs> uh, but still, like I had a really good chat with Clément, the CEO. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I just, I, you know, I felt like that was something appealing. I wanted to be part of that. And it's actually really when I saw the printer. I mean, I remember it was, uh, it was a Z-Corp printer um, that was... Uh, Upstairs, uh, we had like a two or three three stories um, office. Even though we're a very small team, so we're basically one per on per, per floor. <laughs> but anyway, uh, on top of the the building, there was the the Zitco printer. And uh, after I think we had over an hour of uh, interview with Clément, and we was like, well, you know, I'm telling you all of this about 3D printing, but are you actually interested in seeing the printer? I was like, hell yeah. And so we go up there and that's, you know, as soon as I saw it, I kind of understood a little bit of what Clément was uh, telling me for an hour because, you know, again, I don't have a technical background. So he was, he was going a little bit into the details. And for me, I have no idea what this guy is talking to me about. I don't understand this thing. And I, I certainly don't see a market for it. I just don't get it. And it's really when I saw the printer that I, that I, you know, I got it. I was like, okay, now I see. Uh, and so I think I, I signed probably a day later um, <laughs> my contract and yeah, and that's really what got me into it. So it was a little bit of uh, luck, um, gut feeling and uh, yeah, and feeling in love with uh, Zipcop right away. <laughs> that's awesome. I like just the risk of taking, taking the leap into the technology when you were mm. kind of in law going that direction and, and seeing it and seeing the potential. That's, that's mm. really cool. <laughs> and and so as you started working with Sculptio, what was the learning curve like as you talked to customers and learn about the technology? How was how were those initial conversations? Yeah, well, they were interesting conversations because um, so 2010 customers didn't really, I mean, didn't know about 3D printing yet, you know, and also the, the markets we're going after was uh, hobbyists, B2C. We didn't really knew, you know, like the, the only other service bureaus out there were Shapeways, was really heavily focused on B2C already, even though now they're switching, but at the time it was really makers focused. Um, and um, Ponoko, who was out of uh, New Zealand, um, which also presents in the US, but mostly heavy in the Oceania region. Uh, and that was more or less it. I mean, yeah, there was Immaterialized who was actually, you know, there was also Immaterialized, um, but we we're not necessarily competing with them because they're going after really a designer uh, kind of target. And so we're kind of searching ourselves, like who, you know, where in this mix are we fitting? Um, and so as we did this, well, I simply took like, I was doing cold calling all day, like we're trying to find like who is the right customer. So I talked to so many different people who had no idea what 3D printing was. Good news is I didn't either. So we kind of <laughs> went from there. Uh, so of course I couldn't tell that to them, but uh, we had a, a great team who could teach me, who taught me so much. Uh, each time I would hang up with a customer being like, okay, you know what? I'll come back to you. You know, I'll find this for you. And then I would just run to the factory and ask all of my stupid questions uh, <laughs> to, to the production team. And they were just so patient with me. Uh, so that's really how I, I learned it all. It's really by learning with my customers and knowing like, yeah, that we can do, that we cannot do. And just because I, I was also generously interested in it. So I, 
I was basically trying to um, get as much information as I could. I uh, went to conferences. We didn't have as many conferences as we have now. Um, but uh, all those I could find, I would go talk to people, getting really generously interested again in the technology. Uh, I learned everything I could about uh, tolerances, uh, material specifications, like really all the questions that customer can ask, you know, at every, every, every step of the process. Because um, the, the team, the sales team, the way it was structured is that I would hand it all, like from cold calling to customer support, if there were any customer support uh, tickets involved, that, that was going through me. So I was really getting to know my customers um, really from, from A to Z almost, uh, and getting to know who they were, what they were doing, how they were using the parts, biggest customers, of course, I would go and visit them. So it was a little bit like, I was treating them a little bit like family at some point. So I made it really my duty to know as much as I could about 3D printing to uh, help them the best I could. Um, so again, the learning curve was, uh, it was steep, but uh, I had a lot of help from the team. And, and, and the fact, matter of fact, the fact that I was on site in the factory and being able to run there and talk to the, you know, to the, to the production team, that was really, really helpful. And also the dev team, because of course, like we fucking actual production, but there is also everything up front and the 3D file, like I didn't know anything again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's really in, insightful. I've always found being able to see the printer and is, is super helpful and just understand the technology. And then you get this kind of additional, really focused questions based on what your customers are asking, seeing a lot of different industries and what types of questions they're asking. So I imagine that was really, really valuable just to kind of focus your own learning and, and broaden across a lot of different technologies and, and seeing how, how they evolved and, and as companies got more interested in, in either prototyping or production. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually the, the, the funny thing here is, um, so as I said, we, we were kind of looking for a market. So we went through a heavy B2C kind of phase where we were doing figurines, like <laughs> uh, probably you remember those times where everyone was having their own uh, 3D printed figurines. We did it for weddings, for events, like name it, we've done it. Um, and, and then we, we switched and we went to the B2B market because we realized that, you know, really if we, if we wanted to uh, sustain as a business, like, Let's face it, it's not by doing figurines. Um, and so we switched to B2B. And so I had to more or less relearn everything I knew based on this new market and really getting more and more involved in what uh, industry applications uh, we could get into, what materials we would need for that. Like, did we have everything we need to do this? And, and so those were also very interesting times uh, where I worked heavily with uh, all of our departments to figure this out. Um, you know, and, 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 and those were again, really, really interesting times for me. This is also when I, I came to the U.S. actually to open the U.S. facility. Um, so like everything was um, happening at the same time. So I would say like that was 2012, 2013. We had initiated a switch probably like already end of 2011. So we kind of realized pretty quickly that we needed to go into uh, the B2B market, but we are still doing a lot of figuring. So, you know, you don't transition, uh, you know, overnight so it took a little bit of time uh, but we knew where we wanted to go um, and that's really what mattered at this time um, so yeah that was a another interesting learning curve <laughs> how did you find it from a career jump from going from Europe to the US was there a lot of difference in terms of business culture or focus on the customers that you were starting to talk to yeah so way more than I thought there would be when I first just said yes uh, to coming to the US 
Um, so I jumped on the occasion. I, I think I, I said yes to Clément before even talking to my husband. Uh, <laughs> um, and he was on board, luckily. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was very, very excited to come to the US. Um, but I didn't realize, I think, uh, the amount of work that would be behind it. Um, and hindsight, those were probably the best couple of years I had in my career so far. So that was like 2012, 2014. Uh, those were times where it was basically just me uh, in the office in San Francisco. We, we had a few hires, but, you know, it was mostly me uh, leading. And uh, I think I had more, more months. It was just me than when we had actually uh, an intern uh, with me. Uh, and I was literally working, um, so I was working in a co-working space in San Francisco, and uh, uh, I started with, you know, with co-working space, you have different levels, so I had like a ping-pong table seat, <laughs> where basically in the morning you come with a computer and just sit wherever you have some room, uh, and those were at the time like ping-pong tables in the co-working space, so literally I was doing all my cold calling and everything from ping-pong tables in a co-working space, so a little bit annoying for everyone else around me, I guess, uh, but at the same time, everyone was doing it more or less. Uh, and then uh, I upgraded to uh, having a closed office uh, that was smaller than the restrooms of, uh, <laughs> of the building. <laughs> um, but it was, again, I had my closed office. I was so happy. Um, but anyway, that's not really answering your question. Those were more anecdotes. But uh, no, the actual um, shifts, well... I had worked in France for three years, um, so I was already shaped a little bit to the European way of working, um, but I think one of my strengths, and I, I think that's what Clément and uh, Marine, so Marine was our uh, CMO at Sculpteo, so the, the two of them really are, are the reason why I, I was in the US and really pushed me and, and, and you know, got me where I am really there. Um, so this is a public thank you, uh, I guess, to uh, both Clément and Marine for for, uh, for all, all they gave me uh, during this time. Uh, but anyway, um, I, was, um, I was not expecting there to be so many differences. Um, so again, I was, I was really shaped uh, the French European way of working, uh, but at the same time, I think I, I'm pretty good at um, adapting to new situations. Uh, so it's, it's for sure the first few months were a bit rough. Like I had to learn not to be late to a meeting seems stupid and an anecdote but I didn't know that that you know in the US you don't you're not late to a meeting um so I learned it a hard way with customers not necessarily being too happy um and uh, again I was still young I was less than 25 um you know English wasn't it's still not I'm gonna keep my my French accent a thing uh, for for, all, <laughs> for the remaining of the times uh but at the time it was even more heavy so um yeah there were really hard things uh from you know in the day-to-day -day, not uh, really understanding um where to start you know this like symptom of having like a blank page almost and like, okay i'm here now what do i do i need to find customers like who do i call like it was basically starting fresh from what i had done in france but in france it was easier because i had a team there and um and also because it was in french and i was a market and more or less knew what i at least i was able to discuss with uh with the team from day to day. And, and right now, it was like in the US, it was very different. Like 3 p.m. in San Francisco, it's midnight in, the, in France. So I didn't have, um, you know, there was like a good chunk of my day where I was like, what am I doing now? Like, who do I call? What do I tell them? Like, so I had to be really uh, sure of my um, competencies. Um, and, uh, and so that will definitely confidence. I had to. Um, and, uh, but in terms of, yeah, cultural differences, I, I guess I, 
I learned how to deal with it. And now I've worked more in the US and I've worked in France. Um, so I, I would think, I think I would have had a hard time going back to France. Um, but I think like where I saw the most, the cultural difference is when we hired our team uh, and we built the factory. So that was around 2014. So it had been two years already I had been in the US, uh, you know, like building the market. It's only once we, we, we saw that we had a market, that we're recurring customers, they're actually making sense to build a factory on site. Um, so that's when we, we went in and hired the team. And then I was, um, over time, I, I managed the team. Um, and so that's when I learned to be a manager. So that was already the first thing, like I had to learn how to, you know, being a manager. Um, and uh, the second aspect of it is like my management was French in France. Uh, and my team was American, Silicon Valley, really. Um, and so the expectations were different on both sides. I mean, I had, I had people uh, during interviews asking me if you had uh, yoga classes. I was like, we're not set up to have yoga classes. And someone in France is like doing an interview asking if there's like yoga classes. I mean, <laughs> everyone is going to laugh. You're not even going to ask for it. This, this is the kind of cultural difference I'm talking about here. Uh, there was like just different kind of expectation. And I had also to... Well, to manage your expectation from my managers um, back in France, like the salaries are not the same, especially when you're hiring the San Francisco region. I mean, it's it's not the same. Like, of course, the operator you're going to hire in uh, San Francisco is paid probably three times the, you know, the, the rate of uh, someone in France. It's just not the same market. And uh, that takes time, you know, for have both to have both team understanding that um, because you're all in the same company and it, it doesn't always make sense to have such differences. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, definitely cultural differences, but I, I learned to embrace them and uh, I learned from them. I think I made mistakes along the way, that's for sure. Um, still doing mistakes, I'm sure of it. Um, and I still have some of my uh, French management, so I'm sure my, my team at Fast Traders now will, will tell you that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it makes me who I am now, both, uh, both cultures actually. And it was around that 2014 timeframe that you also started the Women in 3D Printing Absolutely. Group. Is that right? Yeah, exactly 2014. I guess it was a really busy year for me. Uh, <laughs> inside. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly right. But I started small. Um, so it wasn't as, uh, as big as it is now, obviously. Um, it was a blog. Uh, and I had never done any blog before. I had, actually, that's not true. I'm retracting this. I had started a blog about my journey in the U.S., that was very low key, almost just for my family kind of blog. Because uh, I was, you know, trying to get into writing. Like, uh, I love writing in French. Uh, writing in English is, of course, a different story for me. Uh, and I wanted to try it. And, uh, of course, those were, again, like, really low key blogs. I, I don't think they even, like, I'm, I hope they're not live. Uh, otherwise, someone could find them. So I'm going to make sure they're not live anymore, <laughs> that I kill them, because uh, it's a little bit embarrassing, actually. Uh, but um, yeah, so, but Women 3D Printing was the, the real first blog I started uh, with the idea really of sharing the stories of the women in the industry. Uh, and the reason why I did it in 2014 is because th those two years, as I said, were really key moments in my career, but also in my personal life. I mean, my, my husband was with me. We were not married at the time, uh, but it was just the two of us here. Uh, my family is still, I mean, we have a son now here, so the two of us now, but at the time it was just the two of us and, and all our families in, back in France. Um, so, and the first six months in the US, I did it just by myself. My husband uh, was able to join me only later. So there were some times where it was definitely lonely and, um, and, uh, and I had to build my network and that was hard. You know, I had a, 
more or less strong network in France. And even though now when I think about it and compare today's network, it had nothing to do with what I have today. Um, and also the, the industry wasn't the same as it is today. So that, that also, that's also the reason why. Uh, but still, there were like very lonely moments. Uh, and, you know, and, and I realized back then that, uh, yes, I was a female in a male-dominated industry. And that's not something that really... Uh, hit me before when I was in France. Uh, I'm not saying France is any better uh, than the US. Uh, what I'm saying is that I had a team to protect me from that. Um, so when we would go to shows, it wasn't just me on the booth representing the company. We had three of us. Uh, and most of the time, actually, now I realize it was either like two female, one male, or, you know, they were, it was pretty well balanced. Um, the team at Sculpto has always been uh, pretty well balanced, actually. Uh, so that's definitely not something I had uh, witnessed before. Um, it's only really coming to the U.S. again because I was it was just me here. So when I was going on booth, it was just me. And when I was looking at the other booth, well, well, it was mostly male, and uh, the attendees were mostly male, and um, and people on stage were mostly male. So I wouldn't recognize myself in any of those. And and I saw so a lot of engineers, and I was I'm not an engineer. So you know, I started um, looking and taking points of everything that was putting me aside uh being young because we have to say like especially at the time where it's mostly uh older people uh than me that were not 25 who were going to those shows who all knew each other i have to say from someone who is new to the industry it can feel a little bit intimidating i know now that it's actually welcoming and that we're all friendly and a big family who loves each other <laughs> right uh but at the time you know when you were coming from uh, the outside uh Everyone knows each other. That's the thing. Everyone knows each other. Everyone is friendly with one another. And, uh, and it's not always easy to uh, get in, you know. Uh, it takes a lot of uh, guts to just go in. Like, for example, I remember going to my first AMUG and it was just me and didn't know anyone. And everyone knew each other. And I was like, how am I going to make friends with those guys, you know? <laughs> they all seem to be older than me. I don't have anything in common. I don't have the codes. Uh, I don't remember. I remember, I mean, I remember listening to a group who was talking about, I don't know what, game that was a sport that i might be like football or baseball i still don't know we have like a a feel here i don't even know what sport they're doing in there you see that's not my thing but i didn't have the codes and it's so hard to get in when you don't have the codes um and you know i had to to trust my english that i don't trust all the time um so yeah i, I wasn't necessarily confident and uh and i started talking to um People I was starting to have in my network, because, you know, I'm saying all of this, but at the same point, I was still able to, to build some sort of a network, you know, talking to uh, other people in Silicon Valley, other service bureaus. I remember having great chat with uh, some women at Fathom Studio, uh, who, of course, were competing with us. But still, we, we're having chats because, you know, we were, we're doing the same thing every day. So it was always nice to still get to know each other. So I've never had any problem talking to everyone in the industry. Uh, it's not because you, we're in a competing uh, company now that we cannot talk. Um, so, so I started talking to them, sharing a little bit about my experiences, not always feeling comfortable with everyone and everything in the industry. And I realized that for most of them, it was more or less the same thing. We're like, yeah, I know I had this meeting where I was just the, the only female, really it sucks. And I was like, yeah, me too. And, uh, and the more I talked, so at the time I had like uh, 20 women in my network and I thought that was it, you know, that there were no more other women in the entire industry. So pretty naive. Uh, but I figured, you know, we all have very interesting backgrounds because that's the other thing too, is that I, I told you a little bit about my background that I'm coming from criminal law uh, originally, then did business degree, but I, I'm not an engineer um, and everything I know I've known from, from doing it. And so I've realized that 
a lot of people, and not only women here, but a lot of people in the industry are more or less the same. They're coming from different industries. And to me, that's really what makes this industry so interesting uh, and so diverse and why it should be even more diverse. You know, it's, I'm saying diverse in terms of uh, background and, um, and, uh, and thoughts, more or less, uh, but not necessarily, again, in terms of gender and uh, even less in terms of uh, ethnic groups um, and, uh, and, uh, and the represented minorities. That's for sure we have uh, a lot of work to do on that. Uh, but still, in terms of background, it's, it is more or less diverse, probably more than other industries. And so I, I wanted to share the stories of the women specifically, showing that either, like to both people from the industry, men and women, uh, who, who are the women in the 3D printing industry, you know, who we are, where we're coming from, uh, why we're here, what we do with the technology. And my, my second goal here was to encourage more women from the outside to come in and feel welcome and being like reading a story about a woman in, in additive and being like, oh, I relate to that. I have the kind, you know, more or less the same background. Um, she's doing this. This is super cool. That's interesting to me. I had this idea I want to use 3D printing for. Let's do this. And so th that was really my original goal. Um, so, yeah. And I started this again as a low-key blog um, in 2014. I think my, my very first interview uh, was from, um, oh gosh, I'm going to blank on the name now. This is embarrassing. Um, she was one of our customers at Sculpto. I think I, I interviewed uh, quite a lot of our customers actually at Sculpto, along with a few a few women from uh, competing uh, competing companies. <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing story. And now you're up to. I mean, I think you're host. You're hosting conferences. There's events oh, yeah. weekly that I see on LinkedIn, and uh, do a lot of work with America Makes and all the different mm -hmm. trade shows and everything like that. So it's. Um, I certainly have seen a lot of the, the growth of it and excited about having all the diverse perspectives and, and stories and, and hearing about how people have um, challenged some of the status quo in, 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 in the space. So, so that's a, that's great. <laughs> and as you've kind of grown the group, as you've uh, learned more about other stories, is there kind of a consistent, uh, learning or support network that you see as something that could really help kind of propel even more women to be in the, in the space? Is there something in particular that um, is, is really out there that companies and organizations aren't doing right now to, to yeah, spread that no, message? That, that's an excellent question. I think we're not there yet. Uh, if I'm fully honest, um, so, and there are a few reasons for that, but um, I mean, more and more companies are, you know, definitely looking into how they can uh, have more diverse workforce. I think uh, most companies now have uh, this understanding that uh, the more diverse your teams are and the better for your business. Um, um, this is really, so I think almost all companies have integrated that, uh, then actually putting it in action is hard. It's very really hard, especially if you're already in this phase where you have, you know, 20, 20 something employees. Um, actually, no, I would say starting from 50 employees, it's really hard because if you have, you know, a lot of uh, white males uh, in your workforce, uh, it's hard because you're going to have a hard time uh, hiring more diversity, uh, period. It's going to be hard because, 
the culture of your company is not uh, oriented to have uh, diversity and the uh, and and the diverse force might have a hard time joining your team i remember it, I'm, I'm not gonna put some names here but oops, sorry <coughs> but um i i remember uh interviewing for a company who had uh there were actually about about 25 employees all white male there was i think one woman in the team and as interesting as the job was, the company was, uh, everything was attractive to the company besides this diversity aspect. Um, that was already important for me at the time. And, uh, and so I declined um, for that reason, um, just for that reason, actually. And so, and I'm not, a, I'm not the only one who reacts like this. Um, so for me, it was important as the founder of Women to Do Printing, you know, to, to not join a team that was only male, um, because that that was that was a problem for me uh, because that was going against everything I was trying to um, to do. At the same point, I could have had the opposite reflection and be like, "I'll be the first, you know, I'll be the second in this case," uh, and and we'll change that. But I was I, I, I was interested in doing this at this time. Um, uh, and the second aspect is that I I didn't know if I were going to fit. I was like, "Okay, that's going to be really hard." I remember again the small talk about sports that I don't even understand. I was like, "That's going to be like this all day. What am I going to do in there?" Um, and so so yeah so. Again, and, and that I think is starting from like companies of a certain size is harder and harder. So, and, and of course, in larger companies, they don't have this problem. They, you know, they have more diverse workforces, uh, but then it depends, like then it's department by department. And most of the time, the engineering department are still very male dominated uh, and can be hard to hire uh, female engineers. And there is also a pipeline issue. Uh, I keep hearing companies saying like, when I'm asking them about that, why don't you have more women in your team? They're like, well, we just don't find them and they just don't apply when it's not that they don't find them because they don't always look actively for them but a lot of companies are expecting to put a job description out there and you know and and you basically don't have time to do more than that and you just then go through everyone who applied and it happens to not be a lot of women who are applying and then there might be an issue of like how is a job description um drafted where was it posted um you know like so and and all of those are questions that in the day to day, you don't necessarily have a lot of time uh, to resolve. Like, okay, we need to hire. We needed to hire yesterday. Let's put the job description out, and we'll just get the best candidate. But again, if you have, if you don't have that many women applying or uh, people of color, uh, well, you're just going to go with the pool of talents you have who already applied. And so that's why we have a job board to try to, you know, to bring in more visibility to those jobs that are out there uh, to the women who we know are. Uh, 90% of our uh, audience um, on the blog, at least, because um, the overall, like, two events is different, actually. You have about 30% of men coming to, to our events, uh, but the audience on the blog is a little bit different. So anyway, um, so, so yeah, there is a, an issue that we are not the only industry to face. Uh, this, is, this is true throughout all of manufacturing and all of tech. It happens that's where the course would have both. So I think we're just a construction of... Uh, all of the issues that the other industries are seeing uh, in that regard. Um, so, yeah, I would say the best timing to try to have diverse uh, workforce is really at the beginning. Uh, that should be part of your DNA as a company, as a startup. And I actually think, like, for me, it's a really good sign when I'm seeing diverse teams uh, on the startup level because that means they have diversity of thoughts, diversity of point of view, uh, diversity of background and knowledge and skill sets. And for me, those are the teams who are going to, to go the long way. Um, and uh, so I'm very careful at, you know, when I'm watching uh, the makeup of uh, the workforce in a startup, if it's only white males, um, you know, 
I doubt it's going to go far away. And not because they're not smart, just because they're missing, I think, some of the, the, um, the diversity of thoughts that are required to be agile and to be innovative. Right. And, and I suppose one of the advantages of 3D printing from if I put myself in, in a company's perspective, a, a potential message could be you, you have a diverse pool of talent out ready, kind of looking for, for work. But at the same time, the industry itself and the number of jobs related to it, there's, there's a whole host of things that of ways to interact with the industry. It's not just engineers, mm-hmm. it's software, it's oh, materials, it's sales and business and, mm-hmm. and all of that. So I think the, that's always what has been really exciting for me and in, in being part of the, the space is that you have, uh, you're, you're kind of intermixing all these different pieces and pieces of the technology to either build businesses or build an application. And so I think companies thinking it in, in, about it in, in that way um, can can often engage more more diverse um, workforces and, and pools. Hopefully, yeah, I'm totally agreed. Um, this is back to the the diversity of backgrounds we have in this industry. I think we're in a in a unique position um, from being again at the crossroads of both mark. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say marketing, but yeah, marketing is important. Uh, but of uh, manufacturing and technology. Uh, and also the fact that we are, we're a tool, we're manufacturing tools. Uh, and so what really, the users are coming from different industries themselves. Um, and so again, I think that's, uh, that's really makes it so, so interesting as well to me is uh, the, the fact that we have uh, a lot of diversity in the kind of people and uh, users we have uh, for the technology. And so for people that are maybe younger in their career, just out of university or in university, what advice would you give them as they start in their career path? Something that perhaps you would have liked to know as, as you started out and, and kind of made yeah. that jump into, in, into Sculptio and, and the rest of your yeah. career? Well, I would say um, be ready to be flexible. Um, I think we're, we're still a, a young, both technology, I mean, how is it like 36 years old? Uh, it's not so, so, so old. Uh, so young technology, definitely even younger industry, who's still more or less searching for itself and searching for the next bright and great idea. Um, we still have a few companies who are in the B2C market, but most of, uh, most of it is actually on the B2B market and, and, uh, focusing more and more into heavy industry. Um, and so I would say be ready for, you know, the market to shift again. Um, and to see, Depending on uh, what, what company you're starting with and, you know, what role you're starting with, um, don't settle, um, move on, you know, be, read the news outside of the industry, see how 3D printing can be uh, used in those uh, other industries we're not yet there. Um, uh, because this is really, this is the kind of people we need, people who are uh, ready to learn, uh, not settling, you know, being ready to go outside of their comfort zone. And again, whatever role we're talking about, right? Engineering, marketing, business, uh, developers, um, that, that's true for everyone in our industry. Uh, we, we need to continue uh, pushing the, um, the barriers here. Uh, we have to if we want to, because again, let's face it, we, we're a manufacturing tool. We, we're building a piece of plastics and piece of metals. Um, so we, we need to innovate if we want to continue uh, our journey and continue growing uh, and continue expanding the customer base and user base we have uh, in the industry. 
uh, would it be by you know better materials, better uh, technologies overall, uh, better use case, uh, better business cases, being able to sell better, better software. So we need all of that right <laughs> happening like now. Um, so and and for that again, I think it takes people who are ready uh, to learn again, go outside of their comfort zone uh, and and embracing that and uh, generously willing to do that. Um, so and again. I would say think of also additive manufacturing um, not as a siloed from other uh, manufacturing processes, more traditional manufacturing processes. I think they all work hand to hand and together. Uh, and I would love to see uh, more of that. Actually, that's one of the reasons why uh, I joined Fast Radius because I'm, I'm genuinely convinced that they have the right uh, answer by not doing only additive manufacturing, but also castorating, CNC, uh, injection molding. Um, I think that this is the right answer to what uh, the future holds for 3D printing is to be, again, back into the game of being into manufacturing. Uh, I think we've 3D additive manufacturing a little bit too into um, a silo uh, for too long. Um, so again, that's another advice just to Keep in mind the big picture here uh, and uh, what additive manufacturing is, uh, and it's a manufacturing tool. So, yeah. Awesome. And we'll be po posting the link to Women 3D Printing Fast Radius as well. But if people are interested in any of your events or the blog or any of the other um, content that you guys are putting out, where would you point them? Yeah, simply uh, www.womenin3dprinting.com. Um, that's, uh, that's where we'll find everything. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining today. I really enjoyed the conversation and learned a lot. Same here. Thank you, Mike.